Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name's Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, babes. Uh, we are a weekly true crime podcast. Come out uh, every Sunday about 9 a.m. Eastern-ish within uh, 10 or 15 minutes, depending on how quickly your your podcast place uploads. But yeah, we are uh, we come to you weekly. And um, if you want even more episodes, you can become a patron. So more info on that in the, uh, in the show notes. But uh, how's your week going so far, babe? It is good. We just got through with the 4th of July week, and it's been hectic. We have a lot of baseball happening, but it is over now for, for now. Yeah, yeah. Our son's uh, all-star team lost, and uh, we're I'm a little relieved because it was like three days a week baseball. You folks that are in like travel baseball, that stuff is insane. Like we, it's intense. We had a tiny little taste of it with this all-star little league stuff, and uh, it sucks. So <laughs> Yeah, we were gone for like 12 hours yesterday. Yeah. It's just, it's a long day, and it's really hot. And then our little dog here who's sitting with us, Poppy, she's alone all day long. So it's it's a lot. It's a big um, responsibility and commitment. Not fair to her. She's got to find a different spot to pee in the house every single time we leave her. <laughs> she likes to pee on our throw rugs. Yeah. So at least we could throw those in the in the wash. But she's little, so it doesn't. It's not a huge pee mark. <laughs> she's like a little six pound squirrel here. Yeah, yeah. Those of you that have like huge dogs that just leave like huge lakes of piss, like I couldn't imagine <laughs> having to deal with that. I love huge dogs. I love them so much. But I always say, the bigger the dog, the bigger the mess. That's and true. When they're puppies, they eat everything on like any. You know, any wood, like I used to have a big dog when I was young, and like if it puked, it'd be everywhere and it'd be disgusting. Yeah, it's funny because little dogs don't really eat random things. Like she's never picked up one of our socks. Right. Or, you know, well, it's bigger than she is. So it's like it doesn't even cross her mind. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, so All Star Game's done. July 4th, we still have all our fingers and toes. Independence Day here in America, we blow off fireworks, and uh, that usually goes on till like midnight. You heard one at midnight. Oh, yeah, I was sleeping. And one of our listeners, um, one of our very loyal listeners, he says he gets up early, as do I normally. I'm up at four. So like the night before, I'm dead asleep and all these fireworks are going off. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I wake up. I'm like, what time is it? <laughs> it was like 930. <laughs> <laughs> what, what kind of psychopath is blowing what, up What kind fireworks? of a world are we living in? Yeah. Oh, it's 930. <laughs> <laughs> then you asked me if I heard one at midnight and I didn't. I'd sleep through everything. Yeah, so. I am a super light sleeper. So I hear everything, even though I have earplugs in and multiple sound machines. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we'll, we're going to get back to some normalcy now that uh, the baseball is over. That's like one less thing because the poor kid has like three different things in some days like one you know football in the morning uh baseball training in the afternoon and then the practice at night yeah so. it was like seven hours of sports oh, in man. like triple digit heat yeah here in florida hot as all get out hot as balls yeah i was gonna say that but I hot as meatballs yeah so you ready for this thing i'm so ready i was born ready Mike. all right well let's get into it i came out of the womb ready yeah you did thank god you came out of that womb because i get to enjoy all the splendor okay i told your dad all right let's reel it in let's... i told your dad that yesterday well not exactly I that i hope not because that's really weird well he you know we paid for their dinner after they came and watched our son at the all-star game and um he's like well thanks for everything i was like thank you for having that beautiful daughter because okay. i get to you know no you did not say that no i said i get to enjoy her every single day okay well that's very different than talking about my womb you sicko do you think he knew that i that was talking about sexual relationships I, with you, no i think my dad thought oh you enjoy each other's company oh, hopefully your mom's not listening to this actually she'd probably like this she'd probably laugh <laughs> she would laugh <laughs> All right, so I'm ready, and I think we should do this. Let's do this. Okay, so this is the story of the death of Nicola Bully. So this case is a listener suggestion. Thank you so much, Meg. So Nicola, Nicole, Nicola, Nicola. I don't know why my brain has the hardest time saying that word, that name. I think we don't have a lot of that name in America. So I think that's the problem. Yeah. So Nicola Bully, which I will be referring to as Nikki because that's who she was referred to. She was living in St. Michael's on Wire. How do you spell her last name just so I can picture it? B-U-L-L-E-Y. Okay. So she was living in St. Michael's on Wire in Lancashire with her family. This is in England. And her family included her partner, who was 44 years old. This is Paul Ansel and their two children. She was 45 years old. She worked as a mortgage advisor for Love Homes in Garstang. Paul described Nikki as fun, loving, an exceptional mom, and the most loyal friend you could ever have. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, very much. That's like a really good one. You, know, you hear a lot of these are like, oh, you know, she was awesome, light up a room like we always hear, but it's mm -hmm. like, that's you can tell you love her. And really, what mom doesn't want to hear that they're an exceptional mom? You know, uh, that's what we're striving for every single day. We're trying our asses off. Yeah. So that's, you know, 
telling that she's a very loving person. So she said, or he said that she enjoyed the simple side of life. She was a private person. She kept herself to herself. So it sounds like she just liked a nice, quiet life. So not like, you know, party animal going out to meet people all the time, just like to stay at home and do her thing. Her focus was on her family. She was working. I could relate to this a lot. It sounds like you. Yeah. I I enjoy the simple side of life as well. I'm not a party girl. I like to be at my house with my family. Well, you do want a Jeep Wrangler and that's not really simple. So let's keep that in mind. Quiet down quiet down over there okay let me speak here so she focused on the important things she did right the right thing by everyone she was very well respected by all that that knew her and her friend nadia agreed that she was an amazing mother she was always involved with anything that was needed with the kids school pta etc her father Ernest said that as a child she was a ballerina she was always seen dancing around in her tutu he described her as great she was great she was lovely on Friday, January 27th, 2023, Nikki headed to River Wire in Lancashire. Lancashire. Now, of course, when I'm looking at this word, it looks like Lancashire. So it's it's pr- hey, pronounced you're Lancashire. doing your best. Just do your best. Well, I know I'm pronouncing it properly. Good. So she went there very frequently. This was part of her routine. She would drop her girls off at school, and then she would take her Springer Spaniel Willow um, to this location, which it looks absolutely beautiful here. You could tell the weather was cold, cold based on what she was wearing, but just you would love it, Mike. It's like a, a path along a river where you could just walk and get your steps in, get fresh air, etc. And uh, yeah, I just love nature. It sounds beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it was about 8.43 a.m. that she had gotten to this location after she had dropped her six and nine-year-old daughters off at their school in the village. She was seen at 8.50 a.m. in the lower field along the river by a dog walker who recognized her. I don't know how the relationship was, but she definitely knew it was Nikki. Their dogs briefly interacted, and this witness left the field through the river path. At around 8.53 a.m., she sent an email to her boss, and she logged on to a work call at 9.01 a.m. When she did, her microphone was muted and her camera was off. At 9.10 a.m., another witness saw Nikki on the upper field along the river walking with Willow. The work meeting ended at 9.30 a.m., though Nikki remained logged into the call. At 9.35 a.m., another dog walker found Nikki's phone near a bench overlooking the river. Willow was wandering nearby. Nikki's phone was still logged on to the Microsoft Teams call. Willow's harness was located on the grass between the bench and the river's edge, which Hmm. wasn't a very long distance. That morning, Paul texted Nikki at 10.30 a.m. when she hadn't come home. Again, this is a very typical routine. So typically speaking... Sounds like it with the dog walker recognizing her and... She knew she would take this team's call you know, at the spot, probably. Right. And you're seeing the same people because people have the same routine. I always say, if anyone wants to murder me, it's going to be easy because I have a very specific routine. Obviously, she has to have her daughters at the school at a certain time. So she's arriving at the spot at a certain time. It sounds like she liked to get a certain amount of steps in. So Paul normally would expect her home about 10 a.m. So she hadn't arrived. She had another meeting scheduled for 11 a.m. She also had a lot of paperwork to get through for another afternoon meeting. So he was surprised that she hadn't come home because she did have a lot to do. So he got concerned. And at about 1030 a.m., he texted her, have you got lost? A woman named Penny who runs a nearby campsite is the person who located Nikki's phone as well as Willow. She called her friend Susan at 10 a.m. telling her about what she had found. Penny's daughter-in-law, Anne-Marie, recognized the picture of Nikki and her family on the phone's lock screen. So she was able to say, this is Nikki's phone. Mm. So they called the children's school who ultimately got in contact with Paul at 10.50 a.m. So this all happened very quickly. Gosh, yeah. And Paul's already thinking, where is she? So, you know, 20 minutes later, he gets this call, the call nobody ever wants to get. Right. And found your wife's phone. And the dog. The dog. Unattended. But no wife. Which is very concerning because she absolutely loved her dog. She would never have left her dog unattended. Yeah. Just like I'm sitting here with my precious little angel. I may as well have given birth to her. That's how much I love her. So, you know, she it, it was concerning. So Paul is aware that Nikki is missing at about 10.50 a.m. Penny described Willow as acting giddy when she found her, but not frantic. The iPhone showed no sign of water damage and was found intact. 
Her last text was sent at 8.59 a.m. when she was planning a play date for her daughter for the next day. Nikki replied confirming the time and included a smiley face emoji. A nurse named Helen O'Neill was nearby. She was in the garden of her house on allotment lane not far from the path that leads to the bench where Nikki disappeared. At the time that Nikki vanished, she heard a scream. She said it wasn't an alarming noise. It lasted just a couple of seconds. She heard no further sounds that caused her to become concerned and further investigate. She imagined in her head that two women were walking along the path. One may have hidden and jumped out at the other. It sounded like it was a surprise or a fun scream, not something that she needed to go and check on, you know, the well, the welfare of somebody. Mm -hmm. Another woman named Veronica Clayson said that at the time she was getting ready to get into her car. She also heard a scream. It was very short. Her initial thought was that it was one of someone having fun at the back of the graveyard. She described the sound as an inhale scream, like a sharp intake of breath. Hmm. An extensive search began that day. Divers entered the river at 4 p.m. on January 27th. They utilized drones, helicopters, specialist search teams were utilized. The manhunt captured the attention of the nation. And the person, Meg, who shared this story said that it was huge in England. This is uh, so cool nowadays. I mean, I'm sorry, not like Not that somebody disappeared was cool. Obviously, that's not. No, but the amount of technology that we can put into trying to find people and the you know how much we know is like, as a murderer, like, don't do it. It's like, you know, this is not, we're going to try to find as much as we can. Hopefully, we found something. So any suspicious circumstances were explored. There were reports of a red van that was seen in the area at the time that Nikki went missing. There was a a rundown house across the river that was searched three times. A glove was found in the location that didn't belong to Nikki. On, On January 30th, though, police indicated that they were not treating Nikki's disappearance as suspicious. Her parents, Ernest and Dot, spoke to the media about the horror that they faced over the possibility of never seeing their daughter again. They weren't treating it as suspicious, so they think that she like ran away? Kinda? We'll, we'll go from here, okay. and, and I'll tell you all I mean, about that's, that. I mean, that's a weird thing to say right there. Okay. So Ernest and Dot were horrified to think that it was possible that they would never find their daughter again, that they would potentially have to live with the idea of never knowing what happened to her, because that does happen to families. And they were just horrified to even think that that was potential for that for them so the family shared pictures of nikki that were taken from her doorbell camera on the morning that she went missing she was wearing a long black quilted coat black jeans a pale fitbit on her um, wrist a necklace ankle boots and her blonde hair was pulled into a ponytail nikki's daughters continued to ask where their mommy was after she did not come home that evening The family wanted to keep things as normal as possible for them. They made the decision to continue with pre-planned events. They attended a disco night at the girls' school that evening so that they could, you know, have some sense of normalcy in a very not normal situation. Well, yeah. What are they going to do? Sit at home and just worry Mm -hmm. about their mom? Yeah, I'm sure their mom would want them to be out. A hundred percent. The police's main working hypothesis was that Nikki had fallen into the river during the 10-minute window when she couldn't be accounted for. Her family felt that there was absolutely no evidence behind this. They felt that it was based on limited versus factual evidence. They stressed that a life shouldn't be just based on a hypothesis. So I think their biggest concern was that they were just going to focus on this one thing and stop keeping their minds open to another potential situation because if you're thinking about too many different things you're not going to find like some of the most obvious things maybe yeah perhaps Occam's razor just look at the most you know likely the obvious thing yeah so nikki's sister louise shared on facebook she put a post urging people to keep an open mind about what could have happened and to please continue to search for nikki during a news conference on the day that nikki vanished superintendent sally riley said that there may have been an issue with the dog, with Willow, that led Nikki to the water's edge, and she may have fallen in after placing her phone on the bench. There was speculation that Nikki may have tried to retrieve a tennis ball from the river while she was playing with Willow that caused her to then fall in, but Nikki's best friend said this was not possible. Nikki had not brought a tennis ball with her on their walk since 
a year prior because as much as Willow loved the ball, it really disturbed their walks. She, she just stopped doing it. And what police hear out of that is, oh, she has brought a tennis ball before. So it's possible she could have done it again. In the picture that I will be posting on Instagram for this episode, it, it's her with Willow by the river and there is a tennis ball on the ground in the background. Okay. So it is clear that they had at some point in time played with a tennis ball because dogs love to chase balls but i guess it was it was inter- interfering with the walk so she's like that hasn't happened in the longest time that was not the scenario so nikki's friends and family described her as an incredibly strong swimmer though superintendent riley noted that nikki was wearing that large puffer coat as well as another coat underneath as well as ankle length wellingtons that could have filled with water and become heavy had she fallen into the river. Uh, any good swimmer, speaking as a good swimmer myself, um, I am registered by the Red Cross, American Red Cross, as an advanced swimmer. Uh, I would say we would be able to get out of the, any of that stuff in a river, unless it was like White River Rapids, you know? It, it wasn't. Okay. Any good swimmer is going to be able to get out of that situation. So the other thing was that there weren't footprints or signs that someone had slipped down this riverbank because they know where it would have happened. The bench is there. Her phone was there. Willow was there. The harness was there. If she was going to fall into the river, that would have been the point. It would have happened. They didn't see like grass that had been pushed that looked like somebody's feet slipped down and then she had fallen in. So that's just the facts that we have right now. So the public was urged to look for any items of clothing along the river that Nikki had been wearing that morning. Again, they shared footage of what she was wearing. Detectives analyzed all area CCTV footage and dash cams and urged members of the public with any helpful footage to come forward. On Monday, February 6th, private underwater search experts from Specialist Group International, or SGI, they offered their services free of charge. They began to search the river wire using specialized sonar equipment. After searching three or four miles of the river, the group's leader, Peter Falding, believed that Nikki was not in the river. He felt that the slow-moving water would have meant that she would have moved very slowly and that it was the much it was the most baffling case he had ever worked on. And he said he had worked on many, many, many cases. They had recovered a lot of different things in the water. That makes, that was my next question. Have they done this before? Yes, they have done this before. (laughs) They have recovered bodies. They have recovered evidence in cases. I hate that. Like anytime these, a lot of these stories, obviously the reason we're telling them is they're more baffling. You know, more, more, you know, a lot of things going on, but like, I I want these people just to find her, you know, I mean, I don't want her to be dead. Obviously I want her to be alive, but I want some family. The family was torn because, they want to know what happened to their daughter they don't want it to be that she's drowned in the river so it's a very you know they're all torn so he says based on what what his experience this is not you know she's not in here he's truly baffled so on tuesday february 7th a larger area of the river was searched by police who continued to be surprised that her body had yet to be located the theory that nikki had fallen into the river was maintained though police continue to investigate all potential leads. 700 vehicles drove through the village at the time that Nikki disappeared. All were being looked into. Wow. Thousands of pieces of information had been received from the public. Again, this is a huge case over in England. And it's modern, so there's tons of cameras. They know exactly Mm -hmm. the vehicles that came through. A team of 40 detectives were investigating about 500 different lines of inquiry. That's a lot of resources. A lot of resources. Police were open-minded to the idea that Nikki could have left the area with someone, but there were no sightings to believe that this was the case. There was one path not covered by CCTV cameras, though every single suspicion or criminal suggestion had thus far been discounted. Police remained confident that she had not left along this route and had gone into the river that was maintained so a friend of nikki's claimed that one of the cameras that would have seen everything wasn't working that day that she disappeared (sighs) there was potential speculation that she had that it could have been tampered by somebody that had something to do with her disappearance 100 percent. you would have to look into that right so search teams from the lancashire police and the coast guard extended their search to the lancashire coast 10 miles downstream from the bench where nikki's phone was found 
Falding, the leader of the underwater search team that I had mentioned, he continued to maintain that Nikki had not fallen into the river. He's like, okay, if she's not in these two to three miles, she's not anywhere, right? That's basically his thought. Right. And them extending their search, that makes sense. I get it. But he's like, there's no way. But it's also a lot of wasted resources because the bigger the radius, the more, you know, you're going to stretch out further. And it's like, okay, well, did we see this before? It's it's, it's a lot. Like the needle in the haystack has gotten a lot bigger. Yeah, That haystack is The haystack's big. Yeah. Yeah. So he is maintaining, again, that she has not fallen into the river. He said he had video proof with a clip of river wire being slow moving. He said that her body would have sunk very quickly. He maintained that it would have been in the area where she had fallen in, not 10 miles down towards the coast. So he shared a video of the river at the location that Nikki was suspected to have fallen in. The water was very still. It showed a log that stayed in a fixed point for 20 minutes. When the log did move, it spiraled. It went up six feet. It came back to the exact same location it had been in before. And this guy, so he's basically coming out with this. He's a little pissed off being like, the police are not listening. And she is not in this river. Right. Like she would be right here. You're looking in a bad spot. You're wasting time. Right. Exactly. So he said that on January 27th, when Nikki went missing, the river was about a foot higher. And had she slipped down the riverbank, she would have landed in about two feet of water onto rocks. She could have then stood up. It was Falding's professional opinion that her body would have been seen had it floated any further downstream from the on the day that she disappeared. If Nicola was in that river, I would have found her. She is not there. Wow. That was his stance. He's adamant. Falding spoke with Paul, Nikki's partner, who at that point also agreed that she hadn't gone into the river. This raised the family's hopes that she could still be alive. And after their conversation, Paul was very emotional. He was in tears, just not knowing what had happened to his partner, the mother of his children. And, you know, it's just your worst nightmare. They investigated him, obviously, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have to. Nothing against Paul. Of it's, course. It's, it's just standard procedure. Yeah. So, again, the family's hopes are being raised by the fact that she's not being found where she would be expected to be. He was shocked at how shallow the river was. When I say he, I mean Paul. At the point that she would have fallen into, again, we're looking down from where the bench was. I saw a video. They walked through what path she would have taken that morning. I looked at the video. Yes, I'm looking at rocks. They are very shallow. Again, they're about two feet. Now, it is worth noting that beyond these rocks, the river then does drop to about 13 feet deep. So this gave the family confidence that it was their belief that she wasn't in the river. And again, this will then raise the prospect of third-party involvement. Right. So Falding explained that when someone drowns, they are not seen floating on the surface like a lot of movies will depict. This is not the case. That's what I'm picturing. That's what everybody pictures. Instead, they're typically found, if, if say it's a couple of days later, they're almost always found on the bottom of the water. Mm. I just read a couple of fictional books where people disappeared and both of their bodies were found on the bottom of the water. So obviously... You'd imagine the authors would research that. They're going to research that. So um, again, they're almost always found at the bottom of the water. He felt at this point the search should be wider, extending to land, focusing on outbuildings, sheds, because the team sonar scans and searches are failing to find any proof that her body is in the river. Right. So not just her body, but anything, like any right. pieces of her jewelry or you know any whatever they might find. I don't know how detailed they can get. But. Right. Okay. So... So Falding called off his search on Wednesday, February 8th. They really were only involved for three days because they started that Monday. So again, he's using his advanced sonar equipment. They're finding no trace of Nikki. So he's done. So in the meantime, as the media attention grew, police warned that any amateur detectives would be arrested if they were found interfering in the investigation as buildings along the river had been broken into by members of the public who were carrying on their own searches. Yeah, because you're ruining things that they could potentially find and put evidence. together in the evidence. Yeah, I mean, God forbid her body was found in some outbuilding in these team of investigators had trampled through the scene. Yeah. We don't want that. No. But because this case was becoming so public. And the public's becoming frustrated. And they're like, you're not doing your job. We need to start looking at other places. Right. Social media, such as TikTok, was saturated with videos from people interested in this case. And self-appointed experts speculated of what could have happened with Nikki. 
family could not think of a single soul who would have any motive to harming Nikki. Again, she lived a quiet life. She focused on her family, her work, her home life. Well, not a target, obviously. It's not like she's a target for somebody that would have known her. Probably just some psychopath that is just randomly happenstance. Some people speculated that Paul could have been involved in Nikki's disappearance, though, again, he was quickly cleared by police. He said he had been working from home on the day that Nikki vanished, and CCTV footage and other information quickly proved this to be true. You could see in the um, ring doorbell camera that morning, he was helping get the girls in the car. They seemed like a super cute family. He walked them out to the car, got them in, saw them off to school and, and whatever. Yeah. So it was quickly realized that he was at home. He had nothing to do with this. So on February 15th, the Lancashire police held a press conference. So this is kind of when everything took a turn. So they indicated to the public that Nikki was immediately classified as a high risk missing person when she disappeared. This, of course, is the first time they're hearing these words. She disappeared January 27th. We're now here on February 15th. More than two weeks later. What does a high-risk missing person mean? So this is somebody that's been considered to be vulnerable when they go missing. Vulnerable, meaning... So I'll give you information about why they felt this. So it was based on information that Paul had provided to the police when she went missing. Vulnerable, like um, mental state or special needs or something like that? Not special needs. It could be, yes. That would be a high-risk missing person if somebody had special needs. But specifically for Nikki's situation. Specifically for Nikki, I will tell you. So later that day, the team disclosed that Nikki had recently been struggling with alcohol and perimenopause. They faced immediate backlash. Perimenopause? What's that? Perimenopause is before right you before. go into actual menopause. Okay, sorry. I am Nikki's age. Nikki is 45. I am 44. Yeah. So I would be classified in this. So we're thinking alcoholism possibly or alcohol. We're thinking that there was alcohol abuse happening based on the fact that she was struggling with perimenopause is what is being said to the public by the police. Hmm. I don't know so if I like that a lot. I did not like that. Yeah. So they faced immediate backlash. They were accused a victim blaming because it was the public's thought of what does this have to do with this woman disappearing yeah so the next day nikki's family asked that the speculation and rumors to nikki's private life please stop since they were only distracting the search and finding nikki well here's the thing you've already got these like amateur detectives that are coming out and doing stuff so you know this is all over social media yes so social media largely like there's a a swath of social media that really sucks bad and Mm -hmm. people that are going to say stuff and as soon as you get it out that oh she had some alcohol and perimenopause stuff there's going to be a-holes that are just going to be like oh she was a drunk and horrible mother it's like and that probably it sounds like that wasn't really that was not the situation at all it's unfair. This is a 45-year-old mother who is exceptional. She She's living life. And in life, we all struggle. Yeah, we're not perfect parents. We tell our kids all the time. We screw up. I mean, I, ha- I have my terrible weeks. A couple weeks ago... A I, lot of terrible weeks. Like, a lot. <laughs> that's not true. But a couple of weeks ago, I was on the couch just bawling my eyes out. Yeah. For no reason. Well... Hormones. Well, life, I guess, too. Yeah. And, you know, it's just we're all doing the best that we can do. And so that's that not fair is to her. what Nikki was doing. She was doing the best that she could do. And like you just said, the internet and the public can be very harsh. Because it's so easy just to put your opinion out there. And then all of a sudden it gets a couple likes. And then the worst part is, you know, even if you see a horrible comment and then you comment on it like you're an idiot or something, that just makes it even more projected. Like well, it's more adding people, fuel to the fire. If you reply to somebody, that, that tells the algorithm that, yes, people want to see this. Yes. And people are going to reply and agreed, react. Agreed, agreed. And my biggest problem with this is exactly what you're saying. It's taking people and now they're speculating bad things yeah. that are based on not nothing. Fair. And not it's, it's not fair. So it's this so she's this a high risk missing person was where it really kind of spiraled in terms of people now speculating it it strengthened the fire on negative things so um they indicated that the police had attended to an incident and this is the family saying this that the police had attended to an incident that had happened several weeks before nikki had gone missing they agreed for police to share some information since people were aware of this situation and had been threatening to sell stories to the media who does this? 
Yeah, I mean, it's anything's possible. So I mean, it, it is better for them to come out with it rather than... They wanted to control that. Yeah. So the public learned that a mental health emergency response vehicle staffed by both police and mental health professionals were called by Nikki's sister Louise on January 10th. This would have been 17 days before she disappeared. And there's a cat climbing up the back of my chair as I speak this. Okay. So she, Nick, uh, Louise called on January 10th due to concerns regarding Nikki's alcohol use and the impression that she didn't want to be there. Mm. They arrived at the property at 7.30 p.m. And when the clinician assessed Nikki, she was described as appropriately dressed. She had been drinking that day, but she showed no signs of depression. Now, for somebody to be called in... Some it had to be a pretty bad situation because we've all been around drunk people. I've been drunk plenty of times or whatever. Not anymore since I stopped in September, but um, it was October by the October, way. October, thank you. But uh, you know we've been around situations where like, oh, this sucks. I'm going home. But why would you call like authorities? And so be like, again, this is a different country than where we live. Mm-hmm. So this might be more normal. Like for us to call like 911 we don't have mental health counselors that come out to our houses in america oh yeah we're america we have to pay a lot of money for these things we wouldn't (laughs) pick up the phone and call 911 my sister's struggling she's been drinking i'm Ah, concerned good point that's a great so keep in mind that this is different from what we deal with in america in america we largely don't care we don't help people who are struggling i struggled tremendously after i gave birth to our our son our firstborn i was having uncontrolled panic attacks that came out of nowhere. I had never struggled with anxiety. Well, I've always been an anxious person. I'd never had a panic attack to that point. I give birth to a child. I start having severe uncontrolled panic attacks and I have no help whatsoever. I was actually just talking to Mike about it this morning. I had done my six week postpartum follow-up visit after my son was born. I had lost um, somewhere around 20 pounds from the point I had gotten pregnant and 35 from when I gave birth to my son six weeks after he was born, told the doctor I was severely struggling, unable to sleep, eat, etc. He was like, you'll be fine. That's, That's how it. we treat mental health in certain situations in America. So this is a different situation when I say this is happening. You're right. Okay. Good. So, good reminder. And people, yeah, we here in America, basically your option is jail, uh, and then you get you sit in a cell by yourself, and then you know whittle it's, away. It's terrible. So Nikki's sister Louise was concerned, so she made this call. The again the the mental health professional assessed Nikki. She was put together. She had been drinking. In one situation, she was described as intoxicated, but she could completely. She was in control of herself. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's um, it. Is a really and again. I want to stress that I, I need to change my frame of reference because that is a totally different situation. You can have mental health help, and that's and we beautiful. Should absolutely have mental health help. And if that was a thing in America, I guarantee this mental health professional would be making about fifteen grand a year, oh, and it'd be very little. right. Anybody that actually helps people makes very little money in America. It was a travesty how I was handled throughout the situation when I was spiraling out of control. So I, I love the fact that they could make a phone call and somebody could come and help. So now they're villainizing Mick, Nikki because of this Because one of the situation. Okay. So Nikki had told this mental health professional that she was tired. She just wanted to go to bed. The situation was assessed. It was fine. There was nothing done. She was advised to follow up with her physician the following day. When they followed back up with her, she hadn't checked in with a physician that day because she said she was unable to. She was sorting out her mortgage. Louise last saw her sister on Friday, January 13th, after she stayed with her a few days to give her support through this period that she was struggling through. Paul described this whole scenario as a blip period over the Christmas holiday. We know that the holidays are a magical time. We also know that the holidays can be an extremely stressful, emotional crazy time where people do increase the amount that they're drinking naturally because there's a lot of holiday parties and get togethers there's a lot of stress mothers especially are put on a lot of pressure to make it so magical for their two daughters so she had increased her alcohol intakes over the holiday season again paul is describing this as a blip period louise felt that this was the wake-up call that nikki absolutely needed and was <clears throat> very shortly back to Nikki being Nikki. 
she snapped out of it. You know, she was like, okay, got to get my stuff together. She stopped drinking. She started back on her hormone replacement therapy medication. And she was super, she was in a great place when she went missing. She was very like energized. She was excited about the future. She was Things, going for a walk. I mean, you usually you're like at least in an average place. You 100%. Know? I mean, if you're really down and stuff, you're probably just going to like, screw it. I'm just going to go. Yeah. Home. Not only was she walking her dog, she's emailing her boss. She's making play date plans for her daughter. She's logged into a work call. She was on Again, top of stuff. Remember I said mothers should be CEOs of companies because we, we are so able to multitask. I agree. That's what she was doing. Yep. She was 100% multitasking. So Paul um, was indicating that she was looking forward to the future. Everything was looking up. Louise indicated that on the morning of Nikki's disappearance, they had been planning to use a gift card that Nikki's daughters had given her for a spa day on March 18th. They had actually booked it for March 18th, a couple months ahead. So Louise last texted Nikki at 8.52 a.m. She told her that she had booked their spa day. She signed off the text with one of their nicknames, which was, I think I'm saying this right, Tosher. Nikki was Clacker. Louise was Tosh or Tosh. So they had nicknames for each other. So the point is, Nikki was in a good place. They were excited. They were going on a spa day, two sisters together. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm saying all of this because I'm sure the public was speculating that she had done something to herself. At least a, a portion of the public. A portion. I don't want to villainize everybody because there's a lot of good people in the world. So there was no indication or belief that Nikki willingly went into the water that day to harm herself. Louise said that Nikki never confided in her about any suicidal thoughts. She, her sister just had a general sense that Nikki was just not really wanting to participate in the world when she made that phone call on January 10th. She hadn't said, I'm going to kill myself. She never made suicidal statements like that. Yeah, well, it, I mean, she was worried about her own sister. So it's just of like, oh, man, what is it all about? You know, mm-hmm. we all have those we thoughts. We all work, get that. Work sucks, you know, like this sucks, whatever. You know, it's just like sometimes life gets the best of you. It runs like, us down. Yeah. We get into the rat race of sure. the mundane tasks if it doesn't, day you're after not human. day. If it doesn't, you're not exactly. human. Exactly. So, um, you know, the other thing that Louise was saying, again, was what I had said earlier, that she would have never left her dog unattended. Had she, in the small shot chance that she was going to harm herself, she would not have done anything with the expense of her dog's safety. Yeah, tie her dog up and make sure it's safe. Let's put it that way. Or put it somewhere, yeah. Again, Paul had said that she had an important and successful work meeting just the day before that she had vanished. She had come home. She was in amazing spirits. He said he described her as being full of beans, like she was just full of energy. She was full of gusto. She was excited about what was ahead. In America, that means lying, but in the UK, apparently it's different. So I just love the way that English people speak. I just think it's the best thing in the entire world. You love England. (laughs) I Uh, do, and I've never been there. Yeah, Any English listeners or UK listeners at all please send allison some stories she loves <laughs> loves it i said in another life i was definitely an english woman you say that about almost every country. no this is england Italy specifically also. no i always say i would love to be italian because okay. i love the culture and the food all right enough about you enough about me let's get back to the story i'm just saying i love the english people i love them they're awesome so anyway she was full of beans she was an amazing spirits leading up to the point that she went missing the day before nikki vanished her mom dot had picked the girls up from school she watched over them while nikki attended a zoom meeting she said that everything was normal they had had a great visit that evening her parents remember them walking to the door all together them giving hugs and kisses saying i love yous and them just you know bawling their eyes out thinking that this could be the last time we would have ever seen our beloved daughter a receptionist at Nikki's children's school had also spoken to Nikki just after 8.30 a.m. This was where she had gone that morning and then headed over to the river path. So she said that it was completely normal, nothing concerning. Nikki's demeanor or behavior was completely normal. She said they chatted about her dog, Willow, because, of course, Willow was with her. She said she didn't seem happy, though many don't during the chaos of drop-off. Sure, it <laughs> it's sucks. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's a nutty morning. You're hustling out the door. You're not like, hey, huh? There's some psychopath mothers and fathers that are like, okay, oh, my, yeah, my kids are okay. And you're like, okay, get out of my get, way. Get out of my yeah, face. I got, I'm just I got to get stuff my to kid do. dropped off. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> We're really friendly parents. Yeah. So she didn't seem sad. She seemed just how she normally knew her. On February 17th, the police announced that an internal review was being conducted to review the handling of Nikki's disappearance, and the information commissioner said that he would ask questions about the disclosure of the personal information that was shared. 
because, you know, people were getting a lot of, there was a lot of backlash about the information that was shared. Well, you can't take it back, unfortunately. So what's out there is out there. Right. But maybe we're going to learn something moving forward for future cases of what needs to be shared and what does not. On February 18th, Prime Minister Rushi Sunak voiced his concern about the private information that was released into the public domain. And overall, the situation was blankly considered to be a dreadful error. When posing the question if the case would have been treated the same, had Nikki been a man, many felt the answer was a absolutely hell no. Yeah. Former Victims Commissioner Dame Vera Baird felt that it was a sexist error and had Nicholas disappeared, police would not have said that Nicholas had been tied down by alcohol because he was suffering from erectile dysfunction for the last few weeks. Mm. No, we would not have said that. And, you know, part of my reason for coming on this podcast is to have the man's perspective. And I would, you know, tend to agree. I've mentioned in the past I'm very, like, pro-female. So, um... It's it's absolutely true, and as sad as that is, and it's not you know a conscious thing; it's an unconscious bias. You know, if you know what I mean by that, like you automatically don't think, "Oh, the man is struggling." I I don't because it's just not something. But everybody for women, it's like, "Oh, hormones and this," and you know, and that's the wrong thing to do because you're a human being, just like any other mm-hmm. human being. So right, that's a great great point. I, I I really like that point, but you know, women do have to work harder to get to where we are versus what we have up against with men like in the workplace and such we have to work three times harder to be on an equal playing field than men do yeah pay wise i mean women make less in in america than men well not only that but respect wise right you know and then you're you're expected to come home and take care of everything we it's it's a lot it's a lot of pressure i tell like all my female friends i'm like i'm so glad i'm a man i was born a man and not a woman because it it's really hard to be a woman and i i respect the hell out of any woman just trying her best well and that's sometimes like what i was saying i was bawling my eyes out a couple weeks ago that's what i was like i I feel like i'm not doing anything very well like i'm doing it all but not exceptionally well you're doing it all way better than i am and in the meantime (laughs) you think you're not doing it good enough it's like i i'm like i take the garbage out sometimes and uh you know generally i'll do some shopping here and there well generally speaking women do tend to put more pressure on ourselves than men do not not blanket i'm not making a blanket statement everybody's different but it's a lot of pressure. We were talking about this. You know, men seem to be more competitive. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves in the workplace. And we think if we can you know, do things in the workplace properly and you know, provide for our families, then we're doing our jobs, which is, may or may not be the whole truth. Like That's a whole different story. But you know, we focus there sometimes. But women, you're focused everywhere, everywhere all the time, it seems. And that's really, really hard. Yeah. And sometimes the weight of the world can truly weigh you down. And then when you're not sleeping well because you're stressed, then the emotions rang that much higher. It's, you know, it's tough. It really is. So, you know, we're all in this together. That's why I think we just humans need to support humans. And that's why sometimes when I'm on Instagram, it's just like such a crappy feeling because rather than lifting each other up we're just pulling each other down uh, especially females if i could say and, that. and that's my whole thing like come on ladies let's get together let's boost each other like since i've been working out a lot since february there's a lot of like guys that are you know i, I look i look at more half-naked guys than girls these days because i'm looking at their muscles and, and stuff. what you're striving to achieve right i'm trying to build yeah thank you for uh <laughs> putting that out there but it's just like uh, uh you know we we're building each other up we're like buddy that looks awesome like i'm telling guys i'm trying to build them up too i'm like that last rep that you did he puts a video on like you really struggled and you nailed it great job right and that's how it should be because we're all in this together we're all really doing the same thing together why are we pulling each other down i don't don't get it it's it makes me sad so i love when positive people do put their comments there because we need more of that so lancashire police referred itself to the police watchdog due to the contact that they had had with nikki prior to her disappearance The IOPC, or Independent Office for Police Conduct, oversees the police complaint system in England and Wales. They investigate the most serious matters, including deaths following police contact, and set standards for which police should handle complaints. So they were basically wanting to, like, Say, you know, review the way that this was all handled to see moving forward. Obviously, like you said, they can't take anything what they said back from Nikki's case, but maybe future cases could be handled differently. Do we need to share this personal information or could we solve this case without it? Is it helpful to the case? 
So um, Nikki's family asked that people stop making up wild theories about her private life and issued a direct plea for Nikki to return, saying, your girls just want to cuddle. So police were called at around 11.35 a.m. on Sunday, February 19th, due to reports of a body being found in the river close to Rawcliffe Road, which was a mile from the bench where Nikki's phone was located and 23 days after she had gone missing. Interesting. So the meanwhile, <laughs> that one company said they couldn't find anything. They could not find her. She was not in the river. So two things. Either she was in the river and finally popped up or somebody put her there. So, of course, when they're pulling this body out of the river, they cannot confirm that it is Nikki. But tragically, the next day, the body was confirmed to belong to Nikki. Ah. So a set of car keys belonging to a Mercedes was recovered from her body. Nikki's Fitbit was attached to her wrist at the time that she went missing. It was believed to have lost power on February 4th, which was eight days after she had gone missing. No further data had been obtained beyond that point. When the Fitbit was put on a charger after it was recovered, it also displayed the date of February 4th. On January 27th, the day that Nikki went missing, her Fitbit recorded about 45, 48 steps between 8 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. After this time, it recorded no further steps. The device recorded a significant spike in her heart rate at 9.22 a.m. Wow. That's so awesome that we have that information. It pinpoints everything. Yeah. So the device did continue to provide sporadic heart rate output until it lost power on February 4th, but this could have just been a result of the movement of water between the device and Nikki's wrist. Sure. It is believed that Nikki went into the water between 9.18 and 9.30 a.m. An inquest of her iPhone and Fitbit data suggested that it's very possible that it's specific she entered the water at exactly 9.22 a.m. when we saw this spike in her heart rate, a rapid spike immediately on january 27th yeah the reason for her death is at 9 22 right so expert diver peter falding faced criticism he was accused this is the guy who said she, that she's not she in is here. not in this river right. he was accused of spreading misinformation as well as giving the family false hope you know i was thinking this falding guy he's the reason that a lot of these people started looking in other places and stuff and right he, yeah it, he, he said it, they're not here and I will let you know he was not associated with the police. He was not part no. of their team. He's a third he was party not pre- privy to their information. Right. So he explained he did not locate Nikki's body because it was found in the reeds, which his sonar equipment does not penetrate. But then why didn't you say that? Mm. Why did you say she is not in this river? We have not found her. Yeah. There's reeds all along this river. Your responsibility is to say that. Yeah. That you ruled it out. She's not here. Yeah. So that I didn't appreciate. Uh, He's a dickhead. So he indicates that he had searched the area for four hours on their first day where she was ultimately found, but they had not seen her since she was found in the reeds at the side of the river. Falding said that a riverbank wage search would have been the only way to search this area. Did he apologize? And he was not involved or tasked with that search. Did he apologize? I know he sent his greatest condolences to the family. Okay. Whether or not he apologized to the general public and search team, I'm not sure. An apology is necessary, saying, because especially if he, factually, I don't know this for a fact because you researched it and I take what you, I imagine you did, but if he factually said she's not in the river, he 100% needs to apologize to the right. general public. And, and the fact that he sat down with, um, with Nikki's partner, Paul, and gave him this false sense of hope that she wasn't there. Yeah. You know, he was taking this man's word because he is an expert in his fields. And I get it. I get his. We're humans. Only, you know, we make mistakes. Yeah. His stuff can only search certain areas, but, but you got to say it's possible. She's it's on possible. the side somewhere too. Yeah. Yes. But that wasn't sad. Right. So a hearing was held on Tuesday, June 27th. So just, just recently, 2023 and lasted two days. Nikki's physician, Dr. Rebecca Gray, was the first witness to give evidence on the second and final day of the inquest and indicated that Nikki had previously spoken about her anxiety and had been prescribed antidepressants and beta blockers. 
In January of 2022, Nikki started a new job and she was experiencing increased levels of anxiety, but there was absolutely no evidence to suggest that she had been suicidal. Dr. Gray said that in February of 2022, this was a year before, um, this is when she was starting back up in her new career. And that's a whole other set of circumstances because now you're juggling a career on top of being a mom. So she's getting back into her work. It's affecting her anxiety levels so she went to her doctor that was very responsible Mm -hmm. so she did tell her doctor that she was having issues sleeping due to work stresses feeling like her brain was overloaded the police were highly criticized for releasing personal details about nikki while she was missing since it was felt that this information really served no benefit to assist in finding her and that the discussion of her health issues and hormone status was a serious invasion of her privacy that did not need to be shared. For sure. An autopsy was done two days after Nikki was found and three weeks after she had disappeared. There were no findings of a brain bleed or any other natural diseases that would have caused her death. Hmm. Toxicology reports showed normal therapeutic levels of the medication that she had been prescribed by her doctor in her system. A low level of alcohol was consistent with the natural process of decomposition. There was absolutely no alcohol found in her bloodstream. So just naturally, when we do start to decompose, we do alcohol is released. Because your body's fermenting, I imagine. Yeah. So she had not been drinking. Her family also said that. They're like, this blip in the radar when people responded to the house on January 10th was the wake-up call that she needed to get back on her medication, and she stopped drinking. So that's true. She was not drinking drinking that morning so there was some bruising found on nikki's body none of these would have contributed to her death they were more consistent with a fall and again she likely did fall into the river so the pathologist indicated that there was no evidence of third party involvement denying that she had been assaulted or harmed in any way there were findings of dirt in nikki's throat and 200 milliliters of watery fluid in her lungs and 100 milliliters in her stomach which concluded that her cause of death was drowning it indicated that she had been alive when she went into the river experts indicated that they had attended a number of deaths where the water is only chest deep the bottom is flat there is no flow to the water drowning could be avoided by keeping calm and standing up though this often does not happen when there's a person that's suddenly entering cold water at the time that nikki would have fallen in the river was as cold as 37 degrees fahrenheit or three degrees celsius wow it would have likely caused her to just have a natural gasp reaction when she entered the water which would have caused the inhalation of water thus resulting in drowning within seconds wow a cold water expert indicated that these cold temperatures cause the heart rate and blood pressure to go excessively high Hence, what we saw point blank on her Fitbit at 9.22 a.m. Exactly what they're saying could happen is what happened. Okay. I take back everything I said about swimming. I couldn't couldn't imagine falling into like freezing water, literally freezing water. 37 degrees water when you're not expecting it. It's like four or five degrees from being ice, basically. That's insane. So she's with her dog walking. She's on a team's call. She's, you know, multitasking. All of a sudden, this happens, your reaction, knee-jerk, natural body reaction is to gasp because it's so shockingly cold to your system. Yeah, it's it's kind of like breathing. You're just like, <gasps> and all of a sudden, water's in your lungs, right. and then you freak it's out. Done. Oh. At the hearing, it was said that only seconds could have passed before she could have lost consciousness, as little as 20 to 30 seconds, if not even less. The contents of water within her lungs and stomach are consistent with this gasp response underwater, which is seen in two-thirds of drowning victims. As little as two breaths of water could have been considered a lethal dose of one to two liters for someone her size. An underwater diver said that the area where Nikki was believed to have gone in the water has a steep slope where she would have fallen in. Because again, we're looking at these rocks. Yes, very, very shallow. Two feet could have stood up easily. Beyond those rocks, 13 13, feet. 13, yeah. Yes. Impossible to stand up, Mm -hmm, obviously. Impossible. And the water was so cold that her muscles would have likely seized, making swimming very difficult. Again, keep in mind what she was wearing. She had on a puffer coat, a coat underneath, Wellington ankle high boots that would have all filled with water. Her muscles are seizing. She's gasping out of shock to the system. 
it's just the perfect storm to drown. Yeah, I was thinking like a normal river with, you know, at a temperature that's doable, no. not freaking freezing stuff where your first your first instinct, yeah, if you as soon as you got in there try to stand up, yeah, but like your first instinct is that inhalation, that, I guess. Like, and then then you're shocked. You're like, "What the hell should I do?" and your brain's not working because it's trying to put everything in every, you know, blood in every uh, limb. And then all of yeah. a sudden you're in the middle with it's 13 feet deep and then you're like, "Oh my god, I'm going to die." Well, not only that, but the gasp would have entered the one to two liters that's considered the lethal dose so it was just really the perfect storm an imperfect imperfect storm thank you that's much better put so professor michael tipton a world expert in drowning agreed with the pathologist findings it was also concluded that the witness accounts that heard screams because again there were two witness accounts at about 9 30 a.m ish that heard these screams would have been unrelated to nikki's falling into the river she would have already been deceased at that point especially the the fun one you know Mm -hmm. and they "Ah." were both pretty much that way the one thought it was somebody jumping out the other thought it was like fun things happening in the graveyard so nikki's family broke down in tears after hearing how she died that's so scary so sad her mom and sister were crying in court as the pathologist's evidence was read they felt comforted in knowing that her death would have been fast Nikki had increased the volume on her work call at 9.18 a.m., which was only about four minutes before she would have fallen in the river based on the evidence of her Fitbits. Um, it's Paul is believing that at this point, she likely set her phone on the bench. Again, she turned the volume up so that she could hear it. It was likely that she was getting ready to get the harness in gear for Willow. He said that it was very normal that they took the harness off of Willow when she ran around this area because... She was a springer who was very erratic and energetic, and her harness would um, like um, rub against her, snag on things. Oh, okay. So it was obvious that she had likely bent down to do something with the harness and fallen into the water oh. at that point. So not getting a ball, just happened nope. to be near the river. There was no ball. Oh my gosh, that's so sad. After she fell into the water, her body floated downstream. On January 27th, they're saying that there was a steady flow downstream. We're not talking river rapids here. No, Um, but movement. She would have floated about a meter a second downstream. The river was at high tide when she went missing. A statement on behalf of Nikki's family was read outside County Hall, And they said that the last few months have been extremely tough to process for our family. The emotional impact will stay long in our hearts. And whilst we'll never forget the loss of our Nikki, we will forever remember her as a brilliant mom, partner, daughter, and sister that we all knew and loved very much. The family went on to express their appreciation for all the help and support that they received, but they also did address the issue of social media and the upsetting negative messages that they received. There were a lot of them. They said that they will never be able to comprehend what she went through in those last moments, and those thoughts will never leave them. They will never forget her as she was the center of their world, the one who made their lives so special. Oh, God, this is where I cry. That's okay. (sighs) It's... uh. You're a human being, like we always say. It, uh, I mean, and we can't change shitbags on social media. So, I mean, we can say all we want about that. But, I mean, if you're in a similar situation, stay off of social media. You know, while 99% of people are supportive and sweet and cool, just like all of our commenters on, on Instagram and anything else, it's just like sometimes there's a dick bag is just like ah, i don't like this and puts a one star it's like okay man just move on i know just like keep your nasty thoughts to yourself yeah like you can think nasty thoughts like our son said something the other day and he's like i'm just being honest i'm like Like you don't have to you the the maturity is identifying when what you're about to say is going to hurt somebody's feelings and not saying that yeah you do not have to say that you do not have to say bad things it's going to make people feel bad keep it to yourself that's maturity well we always say that's the difference between a five-year-old and an adult because we always um joke about our friend who's a was a kindergarten is a kindergarten teacher i think she might teach first grade now but the 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 honest things these kids would say like your teeth are yellow you have pimples it's like (laughs) that's the difference between a child and an adult that adults don't walk around or they should not walk around saying things like that because we know better and our friend's a very cute girl oh she's adorable and she doesn't have yellow teeth or pimples no (laughs) so it's just you know kids versus adults and sadly there's a lot of adults that don't know better but the point that their family was making in this statement was that these negative 
thoughts and, and voicings will not cast a shadow over who their daughter was. No, they know who she was. And they say it saddens them that they will one day have to explain to Nikki's daughters of what happened because with this there was a lot of bad things coming out and her daughters are going to see all this stuff online and uh, and poor the, paul and the fact that their father was accused of wrongdoing yeah. and misquoted and vilified they vilified friends they vilified family they find all of this appalling and feel they should be held accountable so that things like this don't happen to another family they realize that it's too late it already happened to them but moving forward could this be handled differently so that a family that is already suffering tremendously the worst thing they could possibly be living through is made that much worse by these horrible things that are being accused of your family and loving members that are being you know unnecessarily sad well there's a fine line there's free speech and then there's like hate speech yeah you know? and uh it's, it's i don't know i'm glad i'm not a politician that has to figure that out and just you know this was a statement that was just being made a couple of weeks ago if not less the family indicated that they continue to receive negative targeted messages as well as wildly inaccurate speculation on social medias media even months after her death it's like my god well there's these conspiracy theorists like losers who are in their like basement and just like eh, i believe this is the actual scenario mm-hmm. drinking and smoking and being in their basements in their mom and dad's basement right nikki's case drew immense attention and many believe it's because the vast majority of adults who adults who go missing in britain are found within only 48 hours and only five percent are missing for longer than a week so this was an outlier for sure you know she That's wasn't found it. it was three weeks basically that she was missing and there was a lot of speculation of what could have been and the on top of that um others feel it's due to the fact that she would be considered what is described as an ideal victim who is a white middle class female we we've talked about these cases they do get a lot more attention sadly but um you know that's it was just a media storm over in the uk and sadly a lot of negative attention was speculated that was unwarranted it was unhelpful it was untrue And this just came down to a simple, unfortunate, horrible thing that she must have lost her footing when she was finagling the harness and fell into the water and just simply drowned. Uh, Such a simple, unfortunate situation. Yes. And all these speculators. And that is the sad story of the death of Nicola Bully. Well, thank you for bringing that to our attention. Um, And really sorry to her family, obviously. Absolutely. And And her her, her her immediate family, her daughter. Yeah, her her partner. Anybody that loved her and knew her. Yeah, that's very sad. Well, thank you for telling us about it. And uh, if you're listening here and, you know, you kind of enjoy how we go about covering these stories, um, then you're more than welcome to become a patron and get access to over 25 other uh, bonus episodes that we come out with every other week. So go take a look at the show notes. And we want to welcome our latest Crime and Coffee Couple Club members. Uh, two uh, wonderful names here, Allison and Tina. I love those two names. Allison is spelled the same way as yours. Oh, two L's. I love it. Two L's. And then uh, Tina, this is, you know, I, I, the second Tina in, in uh, two weeks. So we're we're big with Tina's and Allison's. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like. So especially one of the hosts here. So. And whatever your name is, we will welcome you with open arms to our club. And a little uh, secret, we're going to think your name's awesome either way. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Uh, keep on. Thank you so much for your patronage and uh, go get those bonus episodes. And even if you want to just support us, small mom and pop podcast like ours please please do it's really what keeps us going yeah puts wind in our sails so Mm -hmm. thank you for everything and thank you for listening and we're don't take anything for granted so thank you for uh, telling your friends and family and co-workers about us and um, until Until next next time. time